This is DW News live from Berlin. Tonight, a military escalation in the crisis over Ukraine. The Pentagon sending 3,000 troops to beef up the American presence here in Europe. Russia has denounced the deployment as destructive, saying it will only increase tensions. And the fanfare begins. The Winter Olympic torch relay completes its first day, but with human rights abuses and the coronavirus in China in the spotlight, we ask, will the actual sport, the Olympic Games, will they become a sideshow? I'm Brent Goff. It's good to have you with us in a military escalation of the crisis over Ukraine. Today, U.S. President Joe Biden confirmed he is sending 3,000 troops to strengthen the American presence in Eastern Europe and to reassure NATO allies of America's commitment to collective defense. The Pentagon emphasizing it is not sending troops to Ukraine, but adding today's announcement is meant to deter Russian President Vladimir Putin from invading the country. The Kremlin has denounced the move, calling it destructive, saying that this will only make things worse. Another day, another increase in tension over Ukraine. The U.S. is sending 2,000 soldiers to Poland and Germany, while another 1,000 move from Germany to Romania. The current situation demands that we reinforce the deterrent and defensive posture on NATO's eastern flank. President Biden has been clear that the United States will respond to the growing threat to Europe's security and stability. Our commitment to NATO, Article 5, and collective defense remains ironclad. The Pentagon made it clear that no U.S. soldiers will fight in Ukraine. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said diplomacy comes first, but no options are off the table. We only think about peace. We only think about the return of our occupied territories and only through diplomacy. We will not give up a single piece of our land today. We will not give up our territories, no matter what the price. Despite Zelensky's reassurances, others are preparing to do battle if it comes to a fight. The Klitschko boxing brothers, one now the mayor of Kiev, both signed up for the army. We are not weak. And any aggressor have to understand if they do it activity, aggressive activity against Ukraine, you have to pay huge price for that. We're ready to fight. Leaked documents confirmed by the Pentagon reveal the backroom diplomatic efforts to avoid war. The U.S. offered Russia access to inspect key military sites in return for a de-escalation. Russia says it has no intention to invade Ukraine. But these pictures released by Russia's defense ministry showing joint combat drills with Belarus send a clear message. Russia is not backing down. All right, let's pick up the story now with Oliver Salad. He's in Washington, D.C. Good evening to you, Oliver. So why this deployment now? I mean, is this just symbolism or has the security situation on the ground really changed? 
Well, it's really a bit of both, Brand. The Pentagon spokesperson, uh, John Kirby, earlier delivered a press conference, and he said the, deploy the deployment is a response to that continuation uh, of a Russian troop built up there um, in the region. Uh, we've seen satellite pictures today showing that Russia continues to add forces to Belarus and especially to that area in western Russia bordering uh, the Ukraine. But, of course, this is a concern for the United States as well for NATO partners. And that is now met with U.S. troop built up. But, uh, however, of course, in a very much smaller scale uh, than what we're seeing on the Russian side. So on, on that end, it is a symbolic move. If you take into consideration that there are some 60,000 U.S. troops stationed in Europe, 100,000 Russian soldiers uh, on the uh, other side of the Ukrainian border, and now the U.S. is adding some 3,000 troops uh, to, uh, to their troops there in Eastern Europe. So the ultimate goal, of course, to deter Russia from invading Ukraine. And Oliver, have we learned anything about how long these troops will be stationed in Eastern Europe? No, we have not really. Of course, uh, the official take is that it's a temporary deployment. The U.S. wants to reach and continue to reach an agreement um, following their diplomatic efforts. But, of course, that implies that Putin de-escalates, that he changes course, that he uh, drops his demands, and that are um, that Ukraine or that NATO gives guarantees that Ukraine will never enter NATO. Uh, and that is certainly something that NATO will never do. So we are looking at something uh, like a stalemate here. It doesn't really look like uh, anything, uh, any improvement of the situation there. Russia is continuing to, to add troops. And so we are likely going to see more tensions before uh, the situation de-escalates. DW's Oliver Salat with the latest tonight from Washington. Oliver, thank you. We have reports coming in tonight that German Chancellor Olaf Scholz plans to meet with Russian President Vladimir Putin to discuss tensions between Ukraine and Russia. We're going to pick up that part of the story with our political correspondent Simon Young. He's following the developments for us here in Berlin. Simon, when is this meeting due to take place and what is the German Chancellor, I mean, what can he realistically hope to achieve? Yeah, Brett, exactly when it's going to happen, we don't uh, precisely know that yet. Chancellor Schultz uh, said on uh, German TV this evening uh, that it's planned and it will happen soon. Um, we know that officials have been trying to set up a meeting between Schultz and Putin for several weeks. And this, by the way, would be the first face-to-face -face meeting uh, with President Putin since uh, Olaf Schultz uh, became Chancellor. Uh, they have spoken briefly on the phone before. Uh, the, the thing we do know is is that uh, Schultz is heading to Washington for a meeting with uh, President Biden on Monday. That's to coordinate details of the uh, West's response uh, to this crisis. Uh, so I'm assuming that it will happen after that. Now, uh, as to what he can possibly achieve, well, Olaf Schultz says that his first priority is to prevent war. And perhaps the best way of doing that would be to uh, convince Vladimir Putin that the West and Germany in particular is really serious uh, when they say that uh, they will not accept any Russian incursion into Ukrainian territory. Olaf Scholz has said repeatedly, um, if that were to happen, uh, then all options are on the table. And that includes the Nord Stream 2 uh, gas pipeline. So this meeting would be a chance to look at Putin in the eyes and uh, you know, make it clear to him what the price would be of any further Russian aggression. DW's political correspondent Simon Young with the latest here in Berlin tonight. Simon, thank you.
Here's a roundup now of some of the other stories that are making world news this hour. At least 26 people have been killed in the Democratic Republic of Congo after a high-voltage power cable snapped and fell. It happened on the outskirts of the capital, Kinshasa. Authorities say that the cable hit homes and a market, killing several people by electrocuting them. Benny Gantz has become the first Israeli defense minister to visit Bahrain. It's the first or the latest high-profile diplomatic trip since the country's normalized relations. Israel's reconciliation with several Arab nations broke with decades of Arab elite consensus against recognizing Israel until Israel signs a peace agreement establishing a Palestinian state. Women students are back at some of Afghanistan's universities in a significant concession by the Taliban. Colleges in around a fifth of the provinces in the country have readmitted women, but classes will be segregated. The Taliban rulers have been under pressure to improve women's rights since seizing power last year. Germany and the U.S. have rejected the word apartheid in connection with Israel. Amnesty International published a report this week accusing Israel of practicing segregation, dispossession, and exclusion against the Palestinians. Amnesty says its findings are based on the seizure of Palestinian land and the forcible transfer of people. Israel has rejected those findings. Well, here in Germany, there is a debate raging. Can a former far-right politician go back to his old job as a judge? Jens Meyer was a member of parliament for the far-right party, the AFD. He now wants to return to the courts after failing to win re-election. He used to be a member of parliament for the far-right AFD party. And recently, he was categorized as extremist by the domestic intelligence agency. Jens Maia is known for his far-right and unconstitutional statements, also while he was in parliament. Back in 2017, he was reprimanded for trivializing the Holocaust. This whole propaganda and re-education directed against us, which is supposed to persuade us that Auschwitz was factually the consequence of German history, I hereby declare this cult of guilt to be over, to be finally over. In September last year, Maya was not elected for a second term in parliament. Now, he wants to go back to his previous job as a judge in the German state of Saxony. According to the law, he's allowed to do that. But many believe the justice minister can stop him from doing so. His behavior during his time as a member of parliament gives reason to at least initiate disciplinary proceedings and to examine whether one can also use his statements to accuse him of having violated his official duties. This could possibly even lead to his dismissal as a judge. The justice ministry in Saxony doesn't think it can pursue this route. But there's another possibility, a so-called judge impeachment. If judges violate the German constitution, they can be removed from office after a vote by a two-thirds majority in the state parliament and a decision by the federal constitutional court. But the hurdles are high, and the clock is ticking for those who want to stop Maya. Well, even before Friday's official opening, the Beijing Winter Olympics appear mired in controversy. There are concerns over China's human rights abuses, the high number of coronavirus cases in the country. They threaten to overshadow the actual games. The Olympic torch relay 
It completed its first circuit today with more than 500 bears carrying the flame through the Chinese capital. Almost 3,000 athletes will be competing for Olympic glory. Some are worried that the competitions themselves are at risk of becoming a side show. Billions have been invested into making Beijing 2022 an extravagant festival of competition, but the build-up has been about so much more than sport. Politics, for instance. Some nations, including the US and the UK, have declared a diplomatic boycott over human rights issues and will send competitors, but no ministers or officials. Meanwhile, organisers have threatened athletes with punishment for any behaviour or expression that they deem in breach of Chinese law and will expect the IOC to rigorously enforce its own rules limiting protests. In the Olympic Charter, there are very strict rules. So for the medal ceremonies and during the competitions, political protests are not permitted. On other occasions, like at press conferences or during interviews or on personal platforms, the athletes are free to express their opinions. But the athletes must be responsible for what they say. Due to COVID, athletes and journalists will be kept in secure bubbles, while no spectator tickets will be sold to the public. Organisers say health and safety are paramount. Of course, COVID countermeasures are still on top of our agenda. We have been making effective measures and everything is under control. Without a safe games, there would be no games. So we will make sure that the health and safety of all participants is our top priority. A total of 32 new cases were reported by Olympic authorities on Wednesday alone. As expected, the pandemic is proving to be one of several headaches for the organisers of Beijing 2022. If you live in North America, you might be wondering when all of those troublesome snowstorms will come to an end. Could be a while. Because Phil, that psychic Pennsylvania groundhog, he has disappointed thousands of revelers who gathered in the town of Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, to watch his special trick. Legend has it the giant rodent can forecast when spring will begin, but Phil dashed hopes for an early thaw when he emerged from his tree stump and, oops, he saw his shadow. Unfortunately, that's taken to mean the frigid weather will continue for another six weeks. The 2nd of February, Groundhog Day tradition dates all the way back to 1887. That's just before we started heating up the atmosphere with CO2. You're watching DW News. My colleague Stephen Beardsley is up next with DW Business News. Stick around. I wonder if he's seen his shadow. <laughs>